So today's reading is from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. Um, and it was suggested that I read it in Japanese. But it's quite long, <laughs> and I'm not that great at reading in Japanese. So I'll read, I'll read most of it in English, but a little bit in Japanese. Okay? So Luke chapter 11, uh, 1 to 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Chichiyo, mina ga seinalu mono noto sale masioni, mikuni ga kimasioni, tashitachi no hi koto no kate o mainichi o atae kudasai. Tashitachi no tsumi o oyurushi kudasai. Tashitachi mo tashitachi ni oimei no haru mono mina and from verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The, Lord is already, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek, find, and to those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? Thank you very much. Adam, how, how did you rate his Japanese, by the way? Anybody want to give him a score of 10 out of 10? Four of ten. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manami, what score for Japanese? Ten. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yes, well, well done. Well done indeed. And Manami, thank you so much for your singing as well. And we've uh, enjoyed hearing you sing. Uh, some of us had the pleasure of hearing you practice as well. So we've had a double blessing on uh, several occasions while you've been here. And uh, you're here for a couple more weeks? Your last Sunday. So you've got a bit of time. If you haven't met them yet or you haven't uh, found out a little bit more, then a couple more Sundays. And, uh, but thank you for taking part today and blessing us so much uh, with the gifts that God has given to you in that way as well. So today we're just going to continue our series that we've been looking at through Lent called Praying with Jesus. Uh, looking at how Jesus prayed and trying to gain an insight really into what does that mean for us? If this is how Jesus prayed, how, how does that impact our prayer life as well? We've looked at the prayer Jesus prayed at his baptism, and uh, uh, the writer says that heaven opened up when Jesus prayed that prayer. How do we pray heaven-opening prayers? We looked at that a few weeks ago. We looked at the kind of prayer you might want to pray when you're in, feeling in the wilderness or when temptation, when things are going wrong around you and, and it feels like you know, you're in a, in a sort of desert place, if you like. 
And then last week, Pauline very helpfully helped us to understand what praying in a solitary place looked like and challenged us about how we pray in those places because Jesus often withdrew to find that energy and that insight and that wisdom to continue his own life here on earth as well. If you've missed any of them and any of them sort of interest you, then they're all on our YouTube channel. So Newcastle Baptist on the YouTube channel, you can pick them up there as we continue to unravel what it looks like to pray and to seek God's face. So today I want us to look at perhaps the attitude that Jesus told us we could pray with. And, uh, you know, you are people of attitude, aren't you? Most of you have got an attitude, haven't you? Yes, yes. Some of you more than others, I think. Just nudge the person next to you if they've got an attitude that you're not quite happy with at the moment. But, uh, but anyway, yes, we've all got an attitude. Well, Jesus wanted to tell us, what sort of attitude do we come at? What, what's, what's our starting point when we come to pray together as we approach God the Father? What, what, how do we do that? What are we allowed to do? What, what's the permission we've got when, it, when we come before God? Do we come groveling and, and in fear of him? Or does Jesus give us a slightly different approach that we might be able to have in our own prayer life, the, the same approach that Jesus had? And very simply, in one word, Jesus just said to us, just ask. Just ask. Now, of course, there are lots of reasons why for some of us, we don't like asking for help. Are you someone who doesn't like asking for help? Yeah, is that some of you are very good at asking for help. Some of you, maybe you've got better as you've got older asking for help, or maybe you've got worse. I'm not quite sure. But there may be many reasons why you don't want to ask for help. You might, want to, might feel, well, I don't want to look weak. I don't want to look as if I can't do this, you know? So yesterday, the, uh, the little electric button on our passenger side win- window fell into a hole. Didn't know where it had gone. It just disappeared. So Kerry said to me, well, I think you better ring the AA. You better go to the garage. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fix it myself. And you know what? I did. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but I took a couple of things off. I probably broke them as well. But you know what? I managed to get it fixed because I don't want to, I, I don't like asking for help a great deal. I don't want to be debt, in debt to somebody else for helping me. It's as if if they help me, then I'm going to have to help them at some point as well. Or maybe I don't even realize I need help. Or maybe I'm just afraid that somebody will just come and take over and it will diminish me in some way uh, as a person. Now, statistics show and studies prove that there is one gender in particular that often find it really hard to ask for help. Any idea which gender that might be? Just, just a guess. So you got, you know, just have a guess as to which gender studies prove really struggle to help. Men. Yeah, it is men. You're absolutely right. In fact, one study that was done, even in the age of satnavs, has worked out that the average man drives 276 miles a year lost because he doesn't want to ask for help for directions. Can anybody agree with that study? Yeah, I guess you can, yeah. So, come on, guys. Come on, we can do better than that, can't we? We can ask for help. Now, I was going to 
have all of us turn to one another this morning and say to them very loudly, I need help. But I realize that might make you a little bit vulnerable today and you might not want to do it. So instead, what I thought we could do is you could turn to the person next to them and say in a very loving and gentle tone, you need help, all right? (laughs) Yeah, that, that feels a bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah, that feels much easier, yeah. And if they say, yes, I do, then you need to take it to the next step. But maybe they say, no, I don't. Of course, I don't need help. I'm absolutely fine with this. But of course, we know, of course, that it does take an awful lot of courage to say this one little word, help. There's a fantastic, uh, sorry, this has just popped into my head, a fantastic episode of Forty Towers. I don't know whether you know it, where there's a fire in the kitchen and Basil Forty tries to put it out. But in the end, he comes out of the kitchen and says, help, help, help. Eventually, he has help. Anyway, enough of my 40 Towers uh, interest. But it is hard, isn't it? Rather than ask for help, we probably want to just hide or pretend and deny and act like we don't need it. But the fact is that deep down, all of us know that we need help. And the fact that we do need help, and we know that, and instinctively we know that we need help, maybe that gives us a great clue to our real identity and also to our spiritual condition. See, in the Bible, there doesn't seem to be a lot of fear around to ask for help. My help or my helper is one of the most common used names of God. As the writers have written down what people have been saying or, or written their prayers, they've called out to God, you are my help, you are my helper. And Hebrews 13 says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And it's that bold declaration, I think, that Jesus reiterates in this passage that Adam read to us earlier. To be a helper, someone who comes along at the right time with the right solution. You'd go to somebody like that, wouldn't you? You'd look for somebody like that, who is there at the right time with the right solution for whatever is going on in our lives. The Psalms often ask God for help, often call God helper, thanking God for helping after it has happened. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is identified as the parakletos, the helper, the one who comes alongside us. No wonder Jesus knew our condition. He gave us the Holy Spirit to come alongside, to be our helper, because he knew we would need it. The advocate who stands in the gap for us because we need help desperately. And why? Because God has designed us to live in a two-way relational friendship with him. One of joyful dependence where we can go to him and say, God, help. I need your help. God, my helper, will you come alongside me now and help me? And that's why I think Jesus invites us to pray for help. Because the alternative is a little bit scary, really. If we don't ask for help from God, then in effect we're saying, no thanks, God, I'd rather live in prideful self-sufficiency without your help. And we all know where that would end up, in utter disaster, because we are afraid to ask for help. 
So if God is our helper, and Jesus seems to imply very clearly that the Father is there to help us, then how do we approach him? How do we approach our helper? How do we pray with Jesus and match the sort of prayers he prayed to his Father who, when he had this joyful dependence, this two-way relationship that enabled him to keep coming back for, to ask for help? So Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Jesus was praying. The followers of Jesus noticed something different about how he prayed, and so they asked him, teach us to pray. And we explored this a few weeks ago, that this is the only time that's written down for us when the disciples of Jesus ask him to teach them something. They don't ask him to teach them to heal. They don't ask him to teach them to preach. The only time they ask him to teach them is teach us to pray. We need help. You know, we've, we're saying all these words that we've, been gro- that we've grown up with. We're, we're going and doing what's needed of us. But there's something that we're missing in this. We need help. So please, teach us to pray. They understood that here was the relationship they could have with the Father. They saw it in the life of Jesus, in the words of Jesus, and they desperately needed it. They knew that here was the secret. That if we ask for help from our loving Father, then who knows what is possible in the relationship we can have with him and in how we serve him. And of course, that prayer, whether it's in Japanese or whether it's English or any other language, we know is the Lord's Prayer. But I guess really it's a prayer for followers of Jesus. It's our prayer. It's a model. It's a summary. It's to give us confidence about the sort of things that we can and we should pray for. Starting off with these incredible words of worship, our Father in heaven. There's the the starting point for help, for needing help. Our Father, we recognize that you are our Father and you are in heaven. We're putting you back in first place. Hallowed, your kingdom come. God, we're recognizing this is about you. And then there's lots of words of help, aren't there? Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins and help us as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. God, help. We need help on a moment-by-moment basis. And just in case we hadn't fully grasped the fact that we need help and we can ask for help, Jesus then, as he usually did to reinforce a really important point he wanted to make, he would then tell a story, wouldn't he? And what a simple story it was. Suppose you have a friend and you go to them at midnight, a time when everyone would be in bed and asleep, and you ask them for for help. Lend me three loaves. Why? Well, because a friend of mine has come to me and I have nothing to give them to eat. I have nothing. I need help. Now, clearly in that culture, not having any food for a traveler, even a traveler who came after midnight, is a bit of an embarrassment and a bit of a social faux pas, really. But of course, again, in that culture, they were baking bread every single day and only enough for that day. So the asker somehow knows that their next-door neighbor is someone who always has more than enough. They seem to be someone who has a provision beyond what they need. That they're almost expecting someone to come to them and ask for help. And they have enough to give them. 
Isn't that great to have a, a friend who you know has just what you need? I mean, you meant to give it back to them, by the way. So when you go home and you still find you've got something from the next door neighbor, do just go around and give it back to them today. But you know what? Isn't that the sort of friend you want? Who has enough time to give you and you know they have enough time and whenever you ask them, they are there. Here's the friend who has a next-door neighbor, a friend who they know, they are certain, is going to have some spare bread for them even at midnight when they need help. So is the story Jesus telling about a reluctant God who you have to keep on knocking on the door until you wake him up? Is that what Jesus is saying? Yeah, you've got such a reluctant God who is just will eventually give you what you need. Well, I don't think Jesus is saying that's what the Father is like. I think he's saying here's an invitation to all of you when you pray to approach God for help with unashamed boldness and confidence who only needs asking once. And you can be sure that he will have enough for you. And Jesus says, this is how you should pray. This is how you can approach the Father. Here's these words that I've given you, but you know what? Underlying those words are a heart condition that say, I'm going to pray these to the God who has enough who can help me in these moments. This is a relationship, Jesus says, that you can have like a friend to a friend. A friend who says, you know what, you only have to ask. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19, uh, the writer of Hebrews articulates it in a slightly different way, but with the same sense that you only have to ask. Why? Because we can be confident. Therefore, the writer says, Hebrews 10, 19, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his blood, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, since that and since that, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. With the full assurance that faith brings. Not a half-hearted assurance, not with a groveling assurance, but with the full assurance because of what he's already done for us. We remembered that earlier. And because of that, we get to ask for help, unashamed to come into his presence because of Jesus and the cross. Nothing needs to stop us because he's on our side, because he's proven time and time again how much love he has for his children. You know, whenever I, I read this, this story that Jesus tells us about the next-door neighbor, there's this beautiful phrase in the, in the New International Version, this phrase that says, shameless audacity. Do you like that? The shameless, or I don't know what it is in Japanese. What is it in Japanese? Oh, yeah, I'll leave that with you anyway. What is it in any other language you've got? What is it in Filipino? What, what, what is it? I hope it sounds just as dynamic as that. The shameless audacity to ask. Are you someone with shameless audacity? Maybe not. But you're invited to ask God with shameless audacity. Some of us, we need to practice a bit. 
the shameless audacity to ask. Not assuming, not expecting, no arrogance, no feeling of it's my right, but knowing, head and heart knowledge, that we will receive what it is we ask for. So ask with shameless audacity. That's how Jesus wants us to pray. And because Jesus knows how slow we are to understand, he reiterates his point by saying, if you ask, you'll receive. You don't even sound confident of that, and Jesus said it. If you seek, you'll... If you knock, the door will be opened. That shameless audacity to go believing that this is going to happen because of who God is, not because of us. And what you need at the moment you need it, bread enough, enough for that day to satisfy your hunger, enough for the moment when you're crying out for help, enough God will give you his presence and his power because he's baked enough bread waiting for you to knock on his door and ask for it when you need it. It's not the first time that this happened. Do you remember in John chapter 2 when Jesus was at the wedding and they have a problem, don't they, at the wedding? They've run out of wine. And just like a friend arriving and you have no bread, running out of wine at a wedding was an incredible embarrassment for the people there. And even though the rest of the day had been incredible, the bride was looking beautiful, the food was absolutely amazing, the only thing people will remember on the anniversary of that wedding was that they ran out of wine. That's all they'll remember. Do you remember when they ran out of wine at that wedding? Every anniversary, that's all they will talk about. But if you know this story in John chapter 2, you'll know that this made way for someone, in this case, Jesus' mum, Mary, to unashamedly ask Jesus for help. John chapter 2, verse 3. Max Licardo says that this is the first prayer ever prayed to Jesus. And if you're feeling like you don't know what words to say in prayer then take heart from Mary, the mother of Jesus' prayer, right? Do you, know, do you know what it was? They have no more wine. That was it. That was the prayer. The first prayer recorded, uttered to Jesus. Take heart. You can do better than that. But maybe you don't need to do better than that. Because it gets to the heart of the problem, of the need of the people who pray. Your beautiful prayers get put on plaques, don't they, and on fridge magnets. I've seen them in some of your houses. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Beautiful. The Lord's prayer may be, our Father who art in heaven, and you've got it up there very proud. I wonder how many of you have got a plaque that says, they have no more wine. Maybe you could design it. It would be very popular. Because it's a reminder, isn't it, of even in our lack, the Father has more than enough. See, you know, what matters in prayer is not what you say, it's who you say it to. It's how you say it, what, 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 where you start with when you start that prayer. And when you know who you're asking, in this case a generous father or like a friend at midnight, you can ask with shameless audacity. We can approach God with unembarrassed boldness, even in, in the last minute. After midnight, we can still ask him, even when we've run out of bread and wine. It's what God invites us to do. It's what Jesus teaches us to do. 
It's the purpose of God in our relationship. Psalm 121, where does my help come from? Where does it help, help, your help come from? It comes from the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. Unashamed asking to a God who is way big enough to have a couple of extra loaves for you today. And God longs for you to ask. Luke chapter 11 verse 8, he will get up and give you as much as you need. Luke chapter 11 verse 10, for everyone who asks receives. Luke chapter 11 verse 13, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Matthew 18, 19, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done by them, uh, for them by my Father in heaven. Matthew 21 verse 22, if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Do you get the, get the picture? And there's many more I could be quoting to you today. But what if you were ashamed to ask? What if you didn't want to ask for help at the time when you needed it? What if you denied the Father the opportunity to step in and give you those loaves of bread that you've run out of? Or top up your wine glass when they have no more wine? What would you be missing out on? I think that's what the disciples felt when they said to Jesus, teach us to pray. They felt they were missing out on something. They didn't have that dynamic relationship that they saw and heard in Jesus. And they said, teach us to pray. Just like that. Teach us to pray in a way that we will go to a friend after midnight and knock on their door and ask for bread. God isn't reluctant. Perhaps the only reason we don't ask for help is that we think he is reluctant. Or we think we're not good enough or deserve what it is he wants to give us. He doesn't need waking up. He just wants you to ask. You know, it's not his response that we need to fear. It's our reluctance that we need to face up to. Of course he'll get up. He's your friend. Of course he'll get up. So let's approach the throne of grace with unashamed confidence today. Shameless audacity. So what do you need to ask him for today? And will you ask him? Do you know Jesus as your friend? Do you, do you know that you can call on him even after midnight? Has the wine run out? Has the bread run out? Did you notice when it came to the bread, chapter 11, verse 8, he received as much as he needed. As much as he needed. And when it came to the wine at the wedding, Jesus turned H2O into the very finest Merlot. That was my attempt at a rhyme, but anyway, I don't even know what Merlot is, but I'm guessing it's a wine. And what did the guests say? John chapter 2, verse 10. You saved the best till now what if they hadn't asked they'd have never had the best what if they hadn't asked they would have gone hungry that night Jesus says I've come that you might have life and have it in abundance the body of Jesus was broken like bread so that those who ask could have life if only we would ask
He poured out his blood like wine so that God could work a miracle in your life if only you would ask. And that assures me that God has a miracle for you today that is bigger and better and more extravagant than you can ever dare to dream or imagine. Because what sort of gifts does God give to the children who ask? He gives good gifts. So will you be unashamed to ask? Will you overcome your reluctance to ask and with shameless audacity approach the Father? And ask him, God, will your kingdom come? Could your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Could that happen in my life? Could I live the sort of life that you're calling me to? The life that you've dreamed for me? Well, that's what I'm going to ask for. Believing and trusting that we have a father who has more than enough to give to those who ask. Let's pray together, shall we? Will you just ask him? Some of us will be acutely aware of what we need to ask him for. Others of us, maybe we just need a little bit more time and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it is that we lack today. Is there something you've run out of? Maybe courage, maybe patience, maybe boldness, maybe love? <laughs> you just ask, need to ask him to give you more. He'll give you what you need. He'll give you the patience you need for the situation you're facing. He'll give you the love you need to be able to build, rebuild that relationship. He'll give you the courage you need to face that decision that you've got to face. Or maybe you just need forgiveness today. And there's something deep inside you that you're still wrestling with. You still haven't fully sought his forgiveness. Or you still haven't forgiven a person who has sinned against you. Would you ask him? Because he has what you need today to set you free, to release you from the past, to give you a future, to enable you to face that situation, to be an overcomer, to fight that battle that you're fighting right now. He has enough and he will give to those who ask just what is needed.